welcome back to the What the Fork Sunland Review Show. Those of you who follow my personal social media will know I've been a bit busy this weekend. So for myself and the boys on the call today, we're going to be coming at you with a, a Monday morning release and recording on a Sunday evening. So a little bit more relaxed after. Well, let's just say it's a good job we are speaking 24 hours after yesterday's game because I think emotions were definitely running high as Sunderland failed to beat 10-man Accurate and Stanley despite the benefit of an early second-half opener. To run through the remains of the weekend is first and foremost, Brad Sharp. Brad, how are you doing, mate? You all right? Good, Graham. Thank you. Um, good, 24 hours to digest and I've actually put myself in a good mood today with my own football team, so they've cheered me up after watching Shite yesterday. I'm not going to lie. I think if we did the... <laughs> I think if we did the review yesterday, it would just be like a whole 40 minutes of me going, ah! <laughs> yeah, you see me as well. Best, please. I was just at a couple of rows in front of you. Uh, yeah. Well, it wasn't a great day, was it? Um, and second of all, of course, you'll recognise the returning voice of Dave Lawrence. Dave, how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, very well, mate. Thank you. Yeah, not bad at all. Excellent. And those of you who listen to the preview shows, of course, you'll have noticed it's technically another returning guest. I think it's your sixth visit on Tony, which obviously means we do like you. Um, accurate inside, giving us the accurate inside, sorry. It's another semi-regular voice, Tony from across the pitch. Tony, how are you feeling? You all right? I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing well, Graham. Uh, thanks uh, for having me on again and, and looking forward to chatting with the other fellas uh, about yesterday's match. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So I think to sum it up ever so slightly, as I did in the intro, Sunderland drew 1-1. We went, that's now three games without a win, two draws within that. And Aidan O'Brien goal had given us a, a second half lead, but I think some comical defending late on pretty much meant that Accurate and Stanley pulled a deserved goal back, if we're completely honest, despite the fact that Ross Sykes has got a red, red Ross Sykes got a red card, sorry, 14 minutes from the end. Brad, I'll come to you first. Um, we are 24 hours afterwards, so it's not exactly a reaction. It's definitely a review. But how are you feeling 24 hours after the game, Brad? Um, I'm still not, not entirely pleased with it, to be honest, Graham. Um, like you say, we've got ourselves in front just at a good time to score just after half time. Um, and then we talk about it a lot, and you hear them mentioning it when they have their interviews about the game management. And I just didn't think it was there, to be honest. I think every player piled forward for that corner and that Accrington's broke. I think the deepest player was Sirkin. He was only 25 yards, 30 yards back. Um, it just wasn't good enough. Um, and credit to Stanley, like like you said, probably a deserved equaliser for me. I'm just not feeling great, to be honest. Um, it was my son's first away game, not one that I really wanted to remember, but uh, good day out nonetheless. Um, but yeah, the point's not good enough in the... In, from where we are now, that's that's two points picked up of a possible nine, and that's not where we should be. That's not, not really what we should be satisfied with. I know there's been a lot of shouting again on social media about Johnson. I've been very vocal about it again because we knew this was coming. This this the streaky, streaky Johnson. I know it's not a defeat, but I just yeah. I, I'll wait and let you lead on to the Johnson crack first, case I get shot down. We'll definitely, definitely come on to it. Dave, I'll come on to you as well. Obviously, we've kind of touched on the game. I think anyone's listening to this surely knows how it kind of ended up being. As I said before, a deserved point, really frustrating, probably in the way that the goal came, and that's the most frustrating thing. But if we're honest, I, I, I don't think over the night you would deserve to win the game. But Dave, how did you assess it? Yeah, you know, it's always in any game, 1-0, it's it could come back and bite you on the arse, couldn't it? And mm. it proved it. I guess the thing that's most frustrating is, <clears throat> excuse me, for as much as we've got a, 
a very young team, something I think we've all been vocal about wanting for a good few seasons. Lee Johnson's been around for long enough. He's surely got a teach of a bit of game management by now. It's not as if we're three games into the season, four games into the season. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're a good proportion of the way through it. And, you know, to concede a goal like that, it's embarrassing, really. But, hey, it's the reason that I sit there every week and say, what's the result like in the context of the season? And the, the simple fact of the matter is the Wickham game is now an absolutely shite point, especially when you were 80 seconds away from winning the game to drop another two yesterday. Yeah, it absolutely kills us, really. So, yeah, I, I, it, it just frustrates me. Exactly like Brad just said, the whole Streaky Johnson thing. And listen, we seem to be a team where if we're high on confidence, we're absolutely buzzing. We're brilliant. We're phenomenal. And all of a sudden, when our confidence takes a hit, it affects us for like five to eight games instead of just get out of your system, get back on the training pitch, do whatever you've got to do, you know, do a Roy Keane and take the lads out paintballing or something if you've got to get over it, whatever that may be. But yeah, very, very frustrating. So, and I, th- I think that's probably a good way to sum it up, frustrating. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, complete flip side for you, Tony. I think we've all said individually, and I think a lot of Sunderland fans would agree, it was a deserved point, which is probably the frustrating thing from a Sunderland side, because you, you spent the last 14 minutes with, with 10 men and we're, we're one nil up. But how did you assess the game from a, an opposition perspective? Well, I thought I thought it was a good game, uh, and I thought both teams uh, were looking for... Uh, Looking for the result, and I think a, a key point early in the in the match was uh, uh, Toby Savin's save on the header from uh, Stewart. Uh, I mean, he did everything right. He headed the ball down to get away from the keeper, and it bounced back up. and And Savin made really a, 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 a save that I think gave the team a lot of confidence, and and they went on from there. But um, yeah, that was. I mean, overall, you've got to be happy. I mean, we've never beaten Sunderland. Uh, we've we've drawn drawn at your place and then got a point there yesterday. Obviously, we're pleased with the point. Um, disappointing, we went down to ten men again. Uh, you know, I think the refereeing that uh, we seem to come across sometimes. Um, I mean, it was definitely a, a yellow the uh, on the second one for sites, but I'm not sure the descent one was at that early part of the match uh, was was worthy of a yellow. I mean, that's debatable, but that's just from my point of view. And then that puts you under the gun. And, and to be honest with you, when we got down to 10 men, um, it, it, we knew it was going to be hard. Uh, but credits to Toby Savin, because he's done this before, where he'll spot the uh, defenders high up on the pitch and he'll release the ball. And uh, it got through to, uh, to a Butcher. And, and credit to Clark, who had been playing wing back and, and had been moved up with the subs. Uh, he 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 kept on going in the open space, and there was a bit of uh, you know lack of marking. They all went to went towards Butcher and left uh, Clark basically unmanned, and and you guys pay for it. And that's what uh, we've been we've been having that for quite a while. Or that's a bad spell we went through where you seem to make a mistake and it costs us. And that's what happened yesterday. I thought you guys played well. Um, yeah, the game management was be an issue, and and I think that's something that. Uh, uh, down up up with five minutes to go, corner in our end. Um, you should be controlling the ball a little a little better than than what happened. But happy with the point, and uh, I think fair result. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And just to add on, Graham, I think we both hit that score mark uh, score in our predictions too, didn't we? We did. I said that yesterday. I only got three right all last season. I'm in January and I've got four right. Unfortunately, they've all been like either defeats or uh, or, or draws. I think I've got right this year, which is a bit of a shame. But nonetheless, at least I'm getting something right on like some some of our defenders. No offense, Tom Flanagan. Um, I hope he's not listening. Bless his heart. Um, Brad, I'll, I'll come to you next. Obviously, we were able to welcome back the Hoff, um, Diaku, and Bailey Wright. Yeah, our bench still looked fairly weak. It's definitely a question in hindsight, but there is a bit of debate around it or whether we should have played these three games with the amount of COVID cases that we had based on what other sides were doing. There's some people saying, no, it was the right thing to do to play them. There's, there's other people saying, well, you know, it's great to have integrity in that, but points are what really matter. And, and they feel like the COVID cases and the fact that we've been a little bit stretched is probably what caused us problems these past three games. Where do you stand on it? I don't think there's really a right answer on that one. Um mm. I think the Wigan one, uh, Wigan, Wickham, um, the Wickham one, I, I said it's, a, it's the right thing to do um, to get it played. It was a good game of football. Um, and it's been, you got to think from that performance against um, the squad's being relatively the same. Um, so we went from having a, a very good performance at Wickham and then with the same group of players, we've hit this horrible dip. So, I, I wouldn't. Uh, it's hard to say because obviously they've now played three in a week, and it it has probably shown because yesterday there's only one sub and that was a forced one at half time. If Pritchard been fit, I don't even think Johnson would have made any changes. Um, but if we have got these young lads on the bench and we are adamant and playing, especially when we recall the likes of Diamond and Hawks, why not give them a run out as well? And uh, maybe he's even justified playing the games, but. We've used the same 11, 12, 13 players at max who've played three games in a week. Um, usually there's a bit of squad rotation. So if we, if we, in hindsight, had looked at it and said, we're not going to have the, the we're not going to give any of the other lads a run out. Yes, we should have probably called them off. Um, but it's all hindsight, mate. We could have came away yesterday after managing that game and had three points and would have said, yeah, it's probably the best call. Lincoln was a bit of a blip. But now it's we need some players in the door and we need them quick and we need some players back from injury. It's a good thing we've actually got a week without a game now. Like Dave said, to get back on the training pitch, get things out of our system. But we're doing it. We need reinforcements. We can't just carry on with the same 12, 13. And then over the next couple of months, we'll welcome back like the likes of McGeady or Nyan, Evans. Um, I was a bit disappointed not to see Trey Hume I mean, if he's not getting a game in this, when we actually depleted, let's say, what have we bought him in for? Just give him a run out, see what he's about. Um, so I was a little bit disappointed not to see him. I know Johnson said that he needs time to bed in the philosophy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there hasn't been much philosophy there in the last couple of, in the last few games, has there? So I don't know what Same he needs to bed But yeah. <laughs> I think, and, and we'll go further on to this. And obviously last week I was like, you know, forgive me, Lee Johnson, for doubting you. And then <laughs> and he kind of proves right what I said about five weeks ago. Um, so yeah. I don't know where I stand with Johnson. I, I, I want to attest that I think he's probably the best man for the job at the minute, but I'm desperate that and it changes something. But before, obviously we're going to come on to that later because it is a source of debate. But one of the big things for me, you're talking about game management, 
Um, yeah, you can't really equate for the individual errors that have gone on at Gucci's miss kick on Tuesday night and um, Flanagan's lazy inverted commas clearance yesterday for the, the accurate goal. But for me, the game was screaming out in the last 10 minutes for Jack Diamond or Josh Hawkson just to stretch Accurton. I mean, if you, I mean, I, I, I don't know whether you agree here, Tony, but obviously from a, an Accurton perspective, the last thing you probably wanted to see the last two minutes were two young, really fast pacey lads to stretch the game and, and basically take it away from you. And yet they sat on the bench. But do you feel like something like that might have put you out, of, not put you out of sight, but maybe kept you at arm's length, Tony? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, uh, we've got a, a tall uh, back line, but uh, they're not the fleetest of foot. But that's, uh, you know, they like, uh, but they are staying, uh, they stay their shape well, as we mentioned. And uh, and I think yesterday, um, you know, they did well against uh, any anything really coming in the box and and, uh, and bringing that sub on the guy, uh, the new signing, they had uh, Jay uh, Rish Bengalu, I think his name is, uh, he's six five six six, and and he certainly got something about him too. So, um, I think um, size wise we're okay. Um, it could be an issue if they bring on a speedy winger, but um, we counter that with our midfield and and getting the ball to them and and, and you know moving it forward. So, uh, um, yeah, it's it's. Um, I was surprised by the lack of subs at, uh, from your end. Um, and the, the fellow that did come on and score, um, you know, I mean, it was, yeah, like uh, Brad mentioned, it was a perfect time to score and really unfortunate for us because I think Savin had it lined up for a save and got a deflection off the heel of Nottingham and, and went in. But they, I mean, they all count. So uh, you just got to, you just got to live with it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, no, I think, um, and that's the one, the, the fellow they brought on, uh, Longello. Um, and they brought him on and put him on the wing. Um, he's only came on for 10 minutes, but he made a nice little a couple of moves in the box, and he has got some pace about him. Um, so you can always counter with your pace if when we brought up, if we bring on somebody that can do the same. And I, I thought the subs really had an impact on the, on the last 10 minutes. Yeah, they, they definitely can. And I think that's the thing. When, you, when you're looking for goals, yes, it was a, a sudden mistake, but you're kind of having players rushing out to try and get to that ball and maybe, in a sense, forcing them signing into making a rush decision. But I think especially with Sunderland's perspective, when we're talking about COVID issues and bringing players back and you've got two young boys who've been playing really well on loan in the division below, for the last 10 minutes, with all due respect, against a 10-man accurate and Stanley, bring on a bit of legs, maybe even let you come at us a little bit and then try and get those to bomb on and just hold the thing in the corner and just have game management. I just cannot understand when a lot of the players are going to be dead on their feet, but uh, well, it's a long story, isn't it? Dave, I, w- I want to ask you the same sort of question, mate. Um, should we have called these games off in hindsight or are we just kind of, oops, I can't remember the phrase here and that's, I've really fucked it up. Um, clutching at stores, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we are probably just clutching at straws, unfortunately, aren't we? It's, you know, Brad said it. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah, now that we're sat here and we've getting absolutely sweet FA from from the last couple of games or minimal, should I say we didn't get nothing but minimal, then yeah, we 
in hindsight, yeah, we could have called them off. But still, I think that's exactly right what you what you're saying to to not bring on a couple of young lads, especially when Jack Diamond had an all right game the week before. Yeah, he played, he played on Tuesday. It's not like he's going to be like burnt out. You know what I mean? You can bring him on <laughs> yeah. for ten minutes to stretch a team with ten men. And but it, I'm going to go on to Johnson, of course. And I know there'll be people listening to this who are very much for Johnson. I repeat, repeat, repeat. I do not believe, and I know I did previously, I don't believe it would be the right decision to sack him. But when we win games, we get an awful lot of, well, where's the credit for Johnson? <laughs> you know, where, where's the Johnson out brigade now? So when he makes fucking mistakes, which he has done by not managing the game, he's got to be open to criticism. It's not a case of Johnson in, Johnson out always. It's a case of assessing things. Um, oh, I got really angry there, didn't I? Check me out. Um, <laughs> but you, you have to... <laughs> You have to be able to critique and praise in equal measure, and you have to be prepared to be wrong. Like I've been in the past few weeks. At the minute, I'm, I'm right because <laughs> I don't think I don't think he's doing it the right, making the right decisions at the minute. But I think for me, you you cannot complain about COVID decisions when you've got players on the bench that can make a difference. The players that were on the bench yesterday were not just to make up numbers. I know Jack Diamond and Hawks would otherwise be on loan at a League Two side um, and doing well and, and playing weekly for them and wouldn't be at Sunderland. But those two maybe not would have gone on and scored the second goal, but they would have just stretched the game a little bit. They would at least ask the question. And if he brings them to one, it hasn't worked, then you go, mm, well, you know, maybe he's, he's tried his best to change it. I was just going to, I just wanted to sort of uh, throw this out and ask uh, and, you know, get everybody's sort of opinion on this is, uh, I know I saw quite a bit of the reaction online. Um, you got, you guys have a lot of people that contribute online, uh, you know, such a big club and, and the response was, you know, really uh, very negative after the match. And I'm wondering, is would the same it be the same result uh, uh, response if that had been a draw against the ten men Rotherham or Sheffield Wednesday? Is it because it's an Accrington Stanley that makes it more uh, hard to to uh, accept? I think, uh, I think to an extent, Tony, you, you do have a point, and I, I wouldn't necessarily pigeonhole Accrington Stanley. I'd maybe go anyone eight downwards. And, and I think it comes from the th- third or the fourth season that we're in this league, that we come up short against teams that realistically, teams like in the past, Luton, Barnsley, you know, teams that you can look at all the way back to our first season, you have put away and put away relatively comfortably without too many issues. And we seem to have a, a struggle against Accrington Stanley with 10 men, Shrewsbury this season with 10 men, um, I think Rotherham, Burton. And Burton, exactly. I, I think we looked at the Wickham game last week and I think a lot of people said it was a good point and Ipswich was a good point. Uh, um, yeah. It's always how you back up the results, I guess. And we spoke about Wickham and, and I think Dave, you said it was a good point if we beat Lincoln and if we then beat Accrington Stanley. Now that we haven't, it's probably a combination of a few different things. I think w- with all due respect to Accrington and every other team, we just know that if we need to get up, we need to win the, the games against the team's Eighth downwards, and at least not drop points against ten men. I think Tony, but I think, I think to be fair, and I can only speak from my viewpoint. I've always thought Accrington Stanley one of those sides that are not a banana skin. But if you get three points home and away, then you've done pretty well because they're they will organise at the very least and and physical. That's the thing, Tony. I think there were a team yesterday that in the first half were physically more competitive than us. And we've seen that quite a lot this season. And I, and I bet you felt that as well, that you physically had the advantage on us. Oh yeah. We're, I mean, we're a solid team. And there's no, there's no doubt they, and they don't shy away. And 
they don't uh, they don't disrespect an opponent, but they uh, they don't fear an opponent, uh, and. Uh, I think that's just because of the nature of the, the fact that Accrington is, is labeled as a small club. Uh, but I think there's a lot of people, you know, still haven't got, um, I'd say, I'm saying the word respect, but still look at Stanley as uh, it should be three points uh, when you play them. And uh, I think more teams are realizing and more fans are realizing that we're an established league one team now and, uh, and we deserve to be where we are on the play, on the pitch. And, uh, you know, are we, as we talked about before, I don't think we're overachieving. I just think we're getting, getting more exposure now. No, I, I do think you certainly, last thing I've said on the preview shows, I think they were there about with a bigger squad, more resources, potential to get in the playoffs. And I, I sort of spoke about, you maybe going to the next step, but I think yesterday's frustration comes from the fact that it's just bloody Sunderland, Tony, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> in the nicest way. Um, Brad, obviously, I haven't spoke to you in a little bit. I will come on to you about something. Look, we're big fans of Tom Flanagan. I, I like him. Nice lad. Lovely curly hair. Um, generally had a very good season, I think. And and then the past week, everything that we've dreaded from Tom Flanagan's kind of came to pass. Callum Doyle had a bit of a, a wobble a few weeks ago. I think Serkins looked a little bit Defensively suspect, and then at right back, Bailey Wright, I think, has actually had a good few months. But I think ultimately, you know, Tom Flanagan's mistake yesterday was lazy at best. Uh, we've shipped 33 goals this season. I think that's the 12th worst, 12th best. It's bang in the middle. Yes, we've scored 52, which I believe is the best. Um, but it's kind of proved to me that defence isn't really working. Rotherham have conceded 18 goals. They've played two games less, fair enough, but that's considerably less than 33. I can't see them shipping double figures in those two games. Um, the defence really isn't helping us get results at the moment, Brad, basically. How does Lee Johnson remedy that? Reinforcements. Um, I was hoping you'd for, say that because it brings me on to the next question. Lovely, but carry on. <laughs> the main reason, is usually if a player doesn't have a different form, you take them out the side and let them just have a, have a breather. But at the minute, it seemed like last week, Flanagan had a, a an old type Flanagan game against Wickham. He was very erratic. Um, I keep saying Wigan. I mean Wickham. I did it last week. I can't um, see it. I don't know where it is. They're in our heads, man. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it just seems like he had that dip, and then on Tuesday night, he, he's went to clear, and it went under him, and it was just a catalogue of errors when Winchester's went and Fowl Maguire got sent off. And then I don't know what he's done today. It's like he's got a hole in his boot. Um, as a, a, a friend of mine has said, it, it looks like he's got a, a hole in his a hole in his boot. And it's just like, we need to be able to have the depth. I mean, I know we've got Shamadjali there. And younger when he has had a go, he, he hasn't done too bad. It's at the pit point now, if he's not going to trust these lads to come in, it, we need another centre-half. And we did mention that last week to take someone out of the firing line when they are having a bit of a dip. Because like we said, start of the season, until recently, Flanagan was in the top three, four players this season, consistent. And we were raving about him and it was great. But I don't want it to go at the stage where he keeps this form without having a break. And then people say, well, well, it was Tom Flanagan. It's typical Flanagan. It's what we're going to expect. And, and then it just sort of all the good work he's done this season is forgotten about. So, I mean, 
I'm not going to say it's going to happen straight away, but I would like to see a, <clears throat> a, um, a centre-half come in if he's not going to change it. But like I, I touched on earlier, Trey Hume's there to put the right back and put Bailey White at centre-half if he's going to persist with the four and give Flanagan a break. Um, I mean, I think Doyle's played nearly every minute this season as well. If he needs to come out the side, we need something there where we can give these lads a rest instead of it getting it going too far and then everything that's went well this season is forgotten about because it's the here and now and everyone I, I couldn't I can't even remember the Accrington game at home but I can remember yesterday's and I know we beat Accrington at home but I couldn't tell you who the standout players were and, it, 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 and how football is football fans are very fickle me being one of them um, you, you forget the good things when the bad things are in the present like in the here and now and the only way to get around that is either fucking change change the, the players and the personnel, change the system, or fucking I don't know. Let's I don't just, know the third. Let's one. just win more games. Just let's just better. do let's just do wins. Just stop being Sunderland. Um Dave, yeah. we spoke about it last week a little bit. Um, and we touched on who do we need to bring in, who do we sign, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, we would all like to bring in Batley in. Um, or Chris Wood, as he's now known. Um, but there's a link of <laughs> Eden Flint. How much difference do you think a, a championship pedigree brute of a centre-half? He's 6'5", he's played under Johnson, there's a link there. He's at Cardiff. I'm not sure how much he's playing at Cardiff, I'm completely honest. I know he was worth £6 million or so not that long ago, because I remember David Moyes being linked to him when we were in the Premier League. Obviously, it didn't work out from a borough. He's gone to Cardiff. It's obviously not doing too well for him, but the championship and the League One gap is is getting bigger, if I'm honest. I think someone 6'5", Eden Flint, sounds pretty good to me, but how much of a difference do you think that would make if we had just a brute at the back? I think it's I think it's got to help. I definitely think it's something we need. But whether it's someone who's, like you say, it's, I don't mean to be disrespectful because I have no idea what his stats and stuff are at Cardiff and how much he's playing and stuff like that, which I'm blatantly going to find out while we're uh, while we're chatting. <laughs> but um, basically, it's it's one of them, isn't it? It's a deteriorating player, dare I say it. Now, don't get me wrong. I did say we could do with someone like kind of experienced, which is absolutely... He's 32, isn't he? He's 32. Mate, he's... Um, he's Played quite a lot of football, to be honest. 23 games, four goals. Yeah. So, I mean... All right, I'm signed up. I'll have him. Yep, no bother. <laughs> yep, happy with that. Wikipedia sold me on him. So, he's definitely going to be match fit, which is definitely something in his favour. That's got to be a good thing. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think we we need a... We need a core group of players who will want to stay fit... And secondly, like take charge of certain situations. I think one thing we've got to be careful of, and it's there's two reasons, I suppose, for the massive inconsistency that we have. Where we, what were we a fortnight ago turning over Sheffield Wednesday five nil? Uh, how is that physically possible? But I suppose you've got to remember we have a mix of players who are at the age of either getting to their peak or if they're not at their peak, going beyond their peak and also a group of players who are young, hungry and eager to impress and unfortunately both kind of don't really give you the 
the consistency that some might say that you need to win a championship. So the likes of Dan Neal, would Dan Neal at the minute actually come on for about a three-game rest? There's potential that he would. Now, obviously, we don't have that luxury because of however many injuries and, and COVID cases and stuff like that. But there is just a slight risk of burning them out a little bit. Now, that's not to excuse them. But, you know, Brad also said, you have to have players waiting in the wings. And it, it's a subconscious thing. I don't think... I do see a lot of reaction when we don't win about how people don't care about the shirt and stuff like that. But there is also going to be a risk of kind of switching off a little bit if you've got no one to replace you. Yeah, massively, massively. Because Flanagan has made three clangers in the last three games, which, okay, one resulted in a red card and a goal. Um, The one at Wickham he got away with. And then saw him, Lyndon Gooch. There's no real pressure on him. And unfortunately, Gooch is... He's unfortunately become a little bit woeful, if I'm honest. Yeah, it, it just... It, I think it definitely needs mixing up. It looks like, as we're, as we're recording, it looks like Patrick Roberts is going to be done in the last couple of days. I think that's quite an exciting sign. And even though he hasn't really featured much in France, the fact that his contract's out at the end of the season means he should be playing for something, you know, especially if he can get promoted with Sunderland. He's got a chance of potentially playing in front of 30,000 fans in the Championship next year if he wants a deal and if he, we want a deal. He is a good player. I mean, obviously, I've been... Everyone knows my allegiances up in Scotland, but obviously, <laughs> I've, I've watched Patrick Roberts the whole time during Celtic and he recaptures his form there. You've got an absolute gem and a potential McGeady replacement moving forward in the, the years to come. But I, I, I think the big thing with, with Eden, someone like someone like Eden Flint, teams like Wickham, someone like Eden Flint, yeah. commas, that kind of thing. I think, I think we do, I think we do lack experienced players that can guide the young players too. I think Dan Neal's been well off the boil. I think Callum Doyle did the same. I can completely forgive that. It's it's a given and it's expected. If they don't have bad games, they're never going to learn. And that that's kind of fine by me. I understand that. But it's the experienced players that are letting those ones down at the minute and probably have done in the past. And unfortunately, the Flanagan's letting young Callum Doyle down at the minute by making stupid mistakes and, and letting down circum down and stuff like that. And stuff like that, but um, I just think someone like an Eden Flint championship pedigree most of his career at a good age. I think he's had a captain's experience, I believe, um, in the past with Bristol City. There's a lot of experience there, um, and, I, and I think that's one thing we miss. However, one thing I did want to throw a little bit one player I was really impressed with, and I know it's going to be quite surprising because he got sent off. Um, but Ross Sykes, every time I've watched him, I think he did quite a good job on, on Ross Stewart yesterday. He's bigger than Ross Stewart. He's massive. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing us look at him as another project, maybe as two more centre-halves. But Tony, do you, do you, are you surprised the likes of Ross Sykes haven't been looked at before? Because I, I just started being more impressed by him. And again, I was yesterday, despite the fact he got sent off. I mean, he's um, uh, he's really improved from, well, from last year. He improves year to year, but he's... Um, uh, he's cut out his mistakes that he was making when we had that bad run. And I think that's a lot to, uh, every team goes through bad runs in, in this league and, and it's just good teams come out of them quicker than others. Um, and I, you know, I mean, that's, it seems to be your turn now where you're having a bit of a best bad spell. 
I, I think Ross Sykes um, is a player that can go to a, a player at a higher level. Uh, and I, uh, as of last week, nobody had put an offer in for him, but uh, I think there, there are people watching him. And, and uh, But um, for the right price, he'd be sold. But uh, again, uh, like I mentioned before, we don't have to sell uh, just because a player uh, team comes along with and makes an offer. If we if he's sold, he'll be sold for a, a market value, and and that could be you know seven figure, uh, you know two million or plus. I would put him at a valuation of which I think would probably well within your guy's budget if if that was the case. But uh, I'm happy that he's at Stanley, and I think he's hopefully he'll stay for quite a while. But John Coleman has always said that if he will never stand in a player uh, in, uh, going ahead and moving up up in his career. Uh, and if a, if a big team comes in with the right money, they'd uh, they'd take a look at it. I, I think he's been really impressive. I, I would rather experience, but I think if we're looking at projects and people who can build towards the future, I do think he's a player that could make the step up at least one division. And I think people at the Manchester might have agreed. Uh, we're going to pop in a quick break. We've got used to doing this. So I'll get some interlude music, elevator music, whatever it may be. I might just put a bit of thrash metal on just to keep us entertained. Um, and we'll be back in about 30 seconds. Welcome back to the second part. Um, we're getting used to these break things. I think we're just getting, we're just quite enjoying talking more shite than 40 minutes allows us. So, but you know, forgive, forgive us the indulgence. Um, Brad, we discussed signings sort of in the first part. Dave sort of touched on it before. I think Patrick Roberts is basically done. Um, although I wouldn't believe anything Dave said. He said we'd beat Lincoln 4 1, and he, he was wrong with that. And I told them that was going to be the case. But we do need reinforcements, Brad. And, and I think Patrick Roberts is of good quality. As I touched on before, he, he had a good time at Celtic. He's not exactly had the best time since, but I don't think he's been a disaster anyway. I don't see anyone saying he's horrendous. He just hasn't found a settled home. He's got six months here to get a settled home, and he's very much in the McGeady mould, I think. And, and Aidan McGeady's going to be 37, 38 this time next year. I think League One or, or Championship, you've got to be looking to replace someone who's that age. We're talking to people who are 38, 39 years old, Brad. And there's a little man by the name of Jermaine Defoe. Um, not you, don't worry. Um, the face you gave me there was tremendous. It's a shame it's an audio podcast because that would have been quite good. Um, Jermaine Defoe has been linked. He's obviously left Rangers this week. I've seen a real range of opinions on it. I would say the bulk of people seem to be on board with Jermaine Defoe being a potential signing for someone. There is a lot of people who say he's 39, doesn't really fit the, the premise of what we're signing at the moment of, of Young and Hungry. Straightforward question, Brad. Jermaine Defoe, if he's available, is it a no-brainer or is it a stay away? 100,000% yes. Yeah, me too. Uh, like you say, he's probably got six months left in him. Honestly, Four. I think he, I think he completely he's 49. He's in the, the he stadium. Could. He's it's tremendous. He, he really could. He keeps himself in good condition. You've seen him. Me and you follow Rangers a lot and we followed a lot of them, obviously, last season. Um, he probably put him on the best performances of the season last year against Celtic. In the old firm, um, if you watch a lot of his goals, it's it, it, yes, he's he used to have a bit of pace, but 
a lot of it's just one or two touch and he knows where the goal is. And I can guarantee you now if he came to us, and like I say, we could be dreaming, but if he came to us, he would get 15 to 20 goals easily because he is just a natural goal scorer. And if if it is a short-term deal, offer him a coaching role after he always said he would love to come back to Sunderland in some capacity. Why not end your career here? Get us promoted and put him on the coaching team. There's a, and It's not so much a break in the mould of signing these young, hungry players. Jermaine Defoe could be one of them players that, yes, he's old, but he will bring on the young lads. That He can teach them so much in that six months. And like I said, I'll touch on it as well. Me and you watch Rangers. What he does off the, off the field, as as well as on the field, it's an absolute no-brainer to get Jermaine Defoe in if he is available. And I mean, if you looked at Victor and each of his Instagram story, seems like if we sang Defoe, we're going to get an each of for free. He's willing to come for free. Just bring I'm, him in. I'll be all right without Victor. No offence. I'll be fine without him. I think he might be knackered. But on, on Defoe, and everyone's going to have their own opinions, um, on this, but for me, Jermaine Defoe, he's 39 on paper. I think he still plays like he's a 33, 34-year-old. He's, he's fit as a fiddle. At this level, even if he just gets you five goals, Bradley could be the difference between going up and not. And whilst the long-term aims, aims are to have a young, hungry squad that he can build players around and have a lot of longevity that can eventually get us back to where we want to be, which seems like a long way away, but that's the plan. The short-term plan is to get up and Jermaine Defoe could be the difference between it. I'm, I'm telling you right now, yesterday when Accrington score at that point, so it's six minutes from the end, I feel a lot more confident if you're bringing on Jermaine Defoe. Jermaine Defoe's on the pitch for the last five minutes that we can nullify that and, and put another goal past 10 men. If he gets five goals, that's all that matters. I don't think he'll actually command those bigger wages. I, I really don't. I think... I think if he's coming anyway, he's coming somewhere for a project that's going to benefit him. Can he nurture the players? I mean, you look at the amount of Rangers players, young boys that are like um, like Dapo uh, Mudabi, who's at the moment, I think he's at uh, Oxford. He's like, uh, or Wimbledon, sorry. He's speaking about, you know, what he did to help him. There's senior pros saying, you know, what a professional is, what he's brought to the dressing room. I think we're missing someone that has got a lot of experience. But if we can bring in one that'll get five to potentially 10 goals might potentially be a really good coach in the future. And I know people say, oh, well, what coaching experience he's had? Look, if he's good enough to be given a coaching role at Rangers, he's good enough to be given a coaching role at Sunderland. Um, I, I think it's a total no-brainer. I just I don't know if I'm dreaming. But um, there's little bits and pieces for me that are like, I think he might fancy it, and I think Lee Johnson might fancy it as well, but because it seems beyond the realms of possibility, they're both talking in riddles a little bit, and maybe I'm just like reading into different things and hoping, but um, I think for me, the likes of Jermaine Defoe and an experienced centre-half, maybe mixed with another young up-and-coming centre-half from a League One team, such as Ross Sykes, someone like that, those three, I think that could be such a massive difference, but goals win your games at the end of the day. And, and Dave, I think that's what Jermaine Defoe offers. But what, how are you feeling about JD? It, I, maybe you want to come at a different angle and you think, no, actually in the past, let, let's move on. Unfortunately for you and your media mind, you want me to come at it at a different angle. That's not going to happen. <laughs> but unfortunately, I've just ruined it. But... Oh, man, give us balance, for God's sake. <laughs> There's no balance here. Just get him back. You know, I'll, I don't drive, but I will illegally take my missus's car and drive him there myself. 
Um, I'll drive him down from Glasgow if he wants, <laughs> which would be far easier than you driving all the way up to Glasgow than driving back I'll, down. But I'll meet you at Carlisle and we'll do the swap over there. Yes. Up for it. Up for it. It'll be COVID safe, Jermaine, don't worry. <laughs> um, I guess it's exactly like you say, you know, big, big game players. And he's played in some big games, let's be honest, over his career. Win new games, uh, tight games. And not only are you talking about five, maybe five to seven goals, I have no doubt because of how his legs and stuff are that you're probably talking last 15, 20 minutes of a game they'd be winning goals. They'd be winning contributions to the game. And, and you know, we could do that. Let's be honest. Am I bringing Aidan O'Brien off the bench or am I bringing Jermaine Defoe off the bench? I've, it's a very, very simple answer. And I was trying to remain really balanced on it until I had a look on Twitter before we came and started recording. And I do believe there's a class on Twitter had made some kind of, I don't know whether it was a private message or something like that, but she'd sent Defoe an Instagram saying, please come home. And he just sent, and literally she screenshotted and put it public, to be fair. He literally sent a love heart back. Well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm reading into it. It's done. It's, it's signed and sealed. Why, why, did, why did she approach him like a divorced middle-aged man? Please, Brenda, come home. <laughs> Mate, to be honest, that's how I feel. I will gladly be called Brenda if he comes home. <laughs> Brenda, come home, please. Um, and never, if 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 I woke up and it was announced, I would be very emotional. I I would like I would yeah, cry. Um, Mate, I'd, I just, I'd start a I'd start a GoFundMe to get the cryo chamber out of retirement. <laughs> it's been taken yeah. by Martin Bain, mate. Sorry. But <laughs> <laughs> well, like we say, Graham, me and you have followed him very close for the last couple of years. And I said when he went to Rangers. If Sunderland can't have him, I'm over the moon Rangers can. Now, he, he probably, I know we said he's got the body that could go for a few years. Realistically, he's got this season. He could play at least 40 next season. <sighs> but you, realistically, it's this season. And is any championship clubs going to go for him? No. Um. So it's League One, really, for me. And there's no better... Um, Story, no club, there? yeah. There's no better, I mean, it's, it's not even the better club, there's no better story for him. I know that tit on uh talk spot, what's he called? The fucking Jordan Simon Jordan. Oh, well, mm. um, there's many that you oh, mentioned. He'll, on talk he'll sport, go yeah. to Charlton, he'll go to the rivals, he'll go to Charlton. Well, why Charlton? But yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it out there now. We want it, even if we're in the playoffs, we want me Charlton in the playoffs. And I don't, I don't think yeah. Charlton are going to do anything this season. I think it, that's just finishing your career on a whimper. Is it's it, the, he knows the fans here love him and he loves the club. I know the last season he went down, but he, he just remains so professional. And we've watched him for the last couple of seasons at Rangers. It's been a joy to watch him there. Just come home, Jermaine, and let's just finish on a high. Yes, just just listen to the podcast, Jermaine. Listen to your, your heart, not your head, and just come. We'll home. have to ask this last if she'll forward the podcast on Dave yes. to Jermaine. Box the link, and then just, if we just keep tweeting him like depressed, divorced, middle aged men, maybe he'll come back. <laughs> just come <laughs> home, Jermaine. Just come home. Um, Tony, I wanted to, to, to fling a totally different question at you. And the reason I like having opposition fans on after this is a yes, a, a view of the game. 
uh, view of your team, how you viewed it in comparison. But I think sometimes the most interesting aspect of it is maybe when Sunderland don't win games and we're unhappy with how Sunderland performed, how the away team or the opposition team, sorry, perceive Sunderland as a team and what we're missing. There's no doubt about it that we're still within the promotion race. We're second off top. We're just we're so used to failure. I think when we draw a game or lose a game or go on a run, we think, oh, here we go. Obviously, we're not that far away, but we're missing something, Tony. Based on yesterday's game run and what you've seen of Sunderland in that game, what do you feel like Sunderland might be missing or, or could need more of to ensure that we achieve our aim of, of going up automatically? And just a quick one, Tony, before you uh, before you answer this, the correct answer is Jermaine Defoe. <laughs> <laughs> Please just say Jermaine Defoe now, Tony. That'll work a treat. <laughs> um, well, I, I heard he was uh, wondering whether Stanley had room for him or not. So, um, but uh, if he uh, if he doesn't if he wants to take a page cut, then uh, we'll welcome him at Stanley for uh, for a season. I think it's I think uh, you get him for a six months or an eighteen month contract is going to help you guys out. I think you just you just need some uh, a lift from something like that to. Because I, you've got the players, and and you've got one of the best strikers in the league, um, and you you know you're just going through that rough spell. So you need something to lift the spirits mentally of the of the players, um, and and the fans. And and it's obvious from uh, talking with you guys that your um, your feeling is default would be uh, would be the uh, the right move. And, that, and sometimes it's just a little thing that can uh, can change the season whether it's on or off the pitch or both and in the dressing room and, and he could be the reason, but I don't think you guys are that far off to be honest with you. I think you just have to come out of this, just work hard on the training ground and, and just, uh, you know, uh, get that mental uh, attitude back and that positive, positive attitude. And you're not far off really. I think um, default might be the, might be the, uh, the Kickstarter for you. I honestly think there's just, I don't think we're missing experience. I think we're missing good experience players, if that makes sense. Players who've maybe played at a higher level and done it. And I think not only would it like tug on my heartstrings for JD to come back and he would score goals. I think maybe you could see yesterday, Tony, maybe we're missing someone, like I said before, with Aidan Flint, someone that would make sure that that ball doesn't get through to Butcher yesterday. And just clears it or just blocks off the goalkeeper as he's trying to make that long kick downfield. We well, seem to be I, missing that. Yeah, I, I think what you know, the the there seemed to be a, if uh, a, a lack of leadership sort of on the pitch at the time in the second half. And if you have a guy like Defoe come in, and uh, whether whether you would give him the captaincy or not, but I would certainly look at him being a, a, a coach on the on the pitch and and. Uh, I think he would have a lot go a long way to um, uh, controlling the man the management of the game uh, and the time and, and thing like that. I don't think a mistake like you guys made in the in the eighty fourth minute would have uh, would have come to pass with a guy like Defoe on because he would have made sure where the positioning was right. So it's not only what he does with the ball; it's what he does off the ball if he's on the pitch. And uh, I think that could be uh, could be something that would uh, make a difference. I'd give him freedom of the city if I'm completely honest with you, but that's not the matter entirely, I think. Um, we all we always end on the, the same question. So, Brad, I'll go with you first. Um, what does the result mean in the context of Sunderland's season? Um, well, you asked me this one last week after the draw, and I said, it's a good point if we go ahead and beat Lincoln. So ask me again in a week. 
And I have, believe it or not. Um, so <laughs> I haven't had time to think about an answer to this one, but I want to give one. And it's going to be a bit of a different flavour. It's uh, it's worrying. Um, like a week ago, we were saying a point was okay, providing we go on and win. Since then, we've picked up one more point. Um, and it is worrying that the performances have dipped over the last two. We're taking Accrington into isolation. Um, no disrespect to them, like you said earlier. Teams, eight and below, we need to be beaten. Um, and when you want... When you're one nil up, they've got ten men. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't concede. Um, you, if anything, you go and put, put them to bed and finish it two nil. So it is quite worrying. And what I've took from that one as well as worrying is he, Johnson does not trust any of them players that are on the bench. So we're stuck with what we've got until these reinforcements come in or people are coming back from injury. And I think there's only Corey Evans coming back in the in the short term. Um. So, I mean, in the context of the season, I mean, time will tell. Wigan have got 32 games in hand. Bottom have got a couple of games in hand. So, I know you have to go and beat them and you have to go and win them games in hand. Um, but from a Sunderland point of view, we need to turn this around very quick and make sure that when Wigan and Rotherham are playing these games in hand, they have got pressure on them. Because at the minute, they know they've got a free hit of losing two. Well, Rotherham can afford to lose one. Wigan know they can afford to lose two of them I think or three of them and pick up a point so it's, it, I think it drops off a bit of pressure on them so we need to turn this around and we need to turn it around very quick and get it over, get these performances out of our system because if we don't Portsmouth ain't an easy game and that's next week and that could easily turn into four games without a win mm-hmm. and then you start and think is this the streak coming back even if it is a draw it's not good enough now we need to go and be Portsmouth, then Bolton, um, and then I'm not too sure who we play after that. <laughs> you, you, I think you, I think it's Cheltenham. Um, you, you win four, don't you? And maybe you can afford to draw one. It's when you draw three, win one, lose one, draw two. But nonetheless, it's a long conversation. Tony, from an Accrington perspective, what does the result yesterday mean in the context of, of Accrington season? Well, I, it's... Uh... It just reinforces the play that we've, you know, the the form that we've been in the last month, uh, you know, in in very low scoring games, uh, playing well defensively, staying in the match. I mean, uh, uh, this is the second match in a row we finished uh, with ten men and still come away with a point. Uh, so there's a lot of belief in the squad right now, a lot of confidence, and I think if we can get a striker in, uh, you know, maybe Jermaine Depot. Uh, that- kick off our season and challenge for a playoff. Uh, no, seriously, if we get it, we, we need we need another striker uh, to go along with uh, Colby Bishop, uh, somebody with a bit of pace to play off him. Um, but I think, uh, as I said before, if we can um, uh, continue on, we've got to turn some of these draws into wins. we got a tough match away at Ipswich, but we, we seem to play them well as well. We get up for the, the big teams. Um, and if we can get a win there and get a striker in, uh, hopefully we could push on and challenge if possible. That would be the the high, would be a really good end to the season if we could challenge for a playoff. It's going to be tough, but that would be you know that would be the the ceiling if we could get to it. Dave, you're Jerry Springer this week, so you got the final word. Um, I wonder if Jerry Springer's up too, actually. Um, but what would be your what would be your thoughts on what the result means in the context of our season? 
unfortunately, it's a it's a pessimistic one for me because the simple fact is, even if we do go and beat Portsmouth, that's five points from twelve, and unfortunately, that is not promotion slash championship winning form. So, yeah, a little bit negative for me. Unfortunately, we all know that in the context of things, if you then go beat Portsmouth and you win the next three, all of a sudden the last five form game it it becomes it becomes better reading. But yeah, I just worry that our streaks, uh, our winning streaks, they don't amount to making a statement and they haven't done in previous years. So there's every chance that this year could be different and I hope that's true. But you know, just thinking back to that first season of Luton, like kind of going and winning 11 games in a row, eight games in a row. It's something we've never really achieved and it's, it's something, hey, listen, if people think, like I think, which hopefully they don't, because it's probably a warped place in my mind, unfortunately. But, um, you know, someone like Lee Johnson, shoot, it must irk him as a, as, a, as a professional myself in what I do, to sit there and hear people calling me streaky Lee because of, through negativity. I'd want to correct it some way, shape or other. So I'm sure it's just as frustrating for him. But I guess I guess that would kind of sum up what I think he needs to do. He needs to find a steely determination from somewhere. He needs to get a bit more of a, a nastiness going. At time, we know we can play with the swagger when we've got the confidence and we look good and we turn it on and we do really well. Look at Chef Wed. They couldn't cope with us. And in my head, there's a belief that we could go and do that to Portsmouth at home next week. Mm-hmm. There, there, there is that genuine belief. Capable of it, mate, aren't we? That's the thing. And it's not the... The, the good streaks are really good. Uh, I said the word streak, I don't want it to try and avoid it, but it's hard. But the truth is, and I'm, I'm a few percentage off, but we've lost... Our streaks have meant that we've lost close to a quarter of our games this season, yeah. which is fine if you want to get in and around the playoffs, but that's not what we want. Definitely. We really want the top two when we cannot afford to have these little blips that go for like two or three games too long. We can afford to lose one now and again, not yeah. not close to a quarter of games, and that's where he needs to remedy it. I'm desperate for him to succeed. I'm desperate for him to do it. I'm certainly not wanting him sacked. I know I did a few weeks ago, and I'm fickle as, I, as any football fan. I think he can get it right, but I'm... I, I seem to be consistently teetering on the brink of falling off that thought recently. Definitely. I, I totally agree. And I think ultimately, I'd like to think, and I, I think all of us sat here would think the same. Listen, I've no doubt that he's going to get to the end of the season, unless, of course, we go and lose the next six games, in which case he'd be in major trouble. But I don't see that happen. Um, I th- I think ultimately he's got to understand the remit. If he gets to the end of this season and we haven't been promoted, he's probably going to go. So he should know where he's at, you know, and let's hope he finds that steel. And I think that's all that's missing. Just a little bit of wisdom. And like you've said, maybe he's an Aidan Flint coming in or someone like that would bring us that little bit of... What's the word? A little bit of streetness. Someone who's just got a little bit of nous about them, a little nice. bit of cleverness. Yeah. You know? And, yeah, I, I don't... I think Tony summed it up perfectly earlier. We're not far away. We're really not far away. And I think that's probably our biggest frustration. 
because you think if you're one, two, maybe three players away or just some kind of momentum switch within the club happening from a going right. And as soon as it does, it, it'll take some stopping, but we do have to, we do have to build up ahead of steam. So in the context of it, yeah, I, what I'm going to say is I think the Portsmouth game, not only is the result important, I think the performance is important as well. Yeah, I think it's important we, if these three games end up being one of the final streaks towards the end of the season, something get automatically promoted. And that's not unbelievable to think we're in mid-January. There's no reason why we, we couldn't go on. And maybe I'm not saying don't lose for four months. Love that. It's, it's highly likely we will. It's highly likely we'll get a frustrating draw. But ultimately, if you keep a length of games where we don't win a game at an absolute minimum at this point, We'll go automatic. Simple as that. You can lose one or two, but win the majority of your games towards the end of the season in spades. Win four, lose one, win four, draw two, win four, and so on and so forth. We'll get we'll go up. It's as simple as that. Because that, that's just all we require is consistency. And I think the consistency will come from a bit more experience on the park, a new centre half that'll not make the mistakes that some of the defenders are making, and someone by the name of Jermaine Defoe. I don't know if you noticed I'd like him back. Um, but thanks everyone for tuning in. Hopefully, it hasn't been too much of a Jermaine Defoe love fest. Well, actually, you know what? Hopefully, it has. Who cares? Um, I know it's not been the most enjoyable of weekends in terms of football sense. It's been all right for me, if I'm honest. Um, but thanks for joining us, Brad. Tony, thanks for joining us again. And, and Dave, thanks for joining us as well. I hope you have a good rest of the week. Yeah, good luck for the rest of the season, fellas. You, you too, well, Jordan. Yeah, you too. Congratulations.